Um, welcome to my podcast, Lucy May Walker and Friends, and today we are joined by the very, very wonderful Jeremy Vine. I'm suddenly feeling like I should clap. You can clap. We can... Woo! Thanks <laughs> Thank so you very for, much for having me. You're welcome. So basically, my podcast is me sitting down with people um, that I call my friends and that I consider you as my best friend. Tell oh, everyone, I love that. Thank tell you. Tell everyone me and you are best friends. <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> and um, I just kind of chat to people like in the entertainment industry uh-huh. and find out a little bit more about them. So it's all going to be about you. Right. So as long as you're comfortable. I, of course I am. I mean, this is very strange for journalists generally. They They... I mean, I suppose they do want the camera on them a bit. Yeah, but, you love um, it. But <laughs> they, their whole life is directing questions elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I get a bit thrown when I'm asked things because I always say, hang on, what's going on? So this could be interesting. And I'm in the same position, whereas I'm used to people asking me about me and I'm very good about talking about myself. But I want it to... Okay, you know, so we mustn't drift here because if it goes to me asking about you... Well, we'll save that for you, radio show. <laughs> um, so... You are a radio presenter, TV uh-huh. presenter, journalist, egghead, 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 so, so I don't remember, you know, there's the, the, the big explosion caused by a meteorite in Siberia 100 years ago. I now know it's called the Tunguska event, but the, but only because I've looked it up five times because I keep forgetting it. They know those AKs. Yeah. So. But you can host it and you're good at doing that. Yeah, hosting, yeah. So I kind of want to go back in the day. What got you into the... I guess entertainment industry, can we say that? The, it is now. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, so I was born in 1965 and I was brought up in Cheam in Surrey. And uh, anyone listening in Cheam will know that I say this in a spirit of love. It was crashingly dull in the 60s and 70s. There was nothing. The traffic lights changed and that was it. Nothing else happened oh, wow. in Cheam. Yeah, seriously. Now, ironically, when you're older, that's the kind of place you want to live. Yeah, yeah. Right? I go back there now and it's all double yellow lines and traffic jams. But in back in the day, there was the only thing that was exciting in my life and I think my brother and sister's life was mm-hmm. a tiny black and white TV that my parents had and where everything happened, yeah. you know, and that we, we would that's where we would watch and we would and I think Tim particularly, my brother, but also Sonia and also me just thought we one day we're gonna climb into it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna actually climb because that seems to be where it's <laughs> happening. So we, we spent a long time trying to climb in. Wow, and then and then suddenly you, you you appear inside the television and it's just the same as outside. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's not, not different. Surely not that easy. How did you? Start it's, no, no, I wouldn't say it was easy, but um, I mean, of course, all, all presenters never accept that they're successful. Firstly, and they never accept that they've got anywhere that they were heading. So. When you say, you know, how did you get there? I'm thinking, well, got, got where? I'm still, I'm probably going to get fired tomorrow. And I no. discounted the whole thing. So yeah. believe me, all of that, those buttons are always being pressed about this office isn't really mine. It's just an office that I put a picture or two on and someone will strip it one day and I'll be gone and etc. But let's take the premise of how did I get it? And the answer is um, that I, I, it was only a theory while I was growing up of what would it be like to step inside the TV? And mm-hmm. then... 
one particular thing happened, which was that I uh, I was 12 and I got on this Capital Radio show. It's a tiny thing called Young DJ with Maggie oh, Norton. Wow. And it was like a 12-minute slot where you could be a DJ. And it was in the middle of their Sunday show. And I walked into Capital Radio and I said, as soon as I walked in, I thought, this is what I want to do. And I caught a glimpse of my of my then hero, Kenny Everett, although he was just off the other side of the room. And he's the greatest DJ ever. And I came back home and I must have been quite single-minded because I wrote then to every single BBC local radio station, 35 stations, and said, I'm 12 years old and I'd like to work for you. And I think four replied and they all said no and maybe wait till you're older. (laughs) 12 is a little bit young. Yeah, so I must have been quite single-minded. But I think if you really set your mind to something very early, Mm -hmm. even if it's very niche, you Mm. can probably do it. You know, and so what I wanted to be was a DJ, and then gradually that morphed into journalist, and then I ended up as a DJ. So how crazy is that? Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I'm a DJ or a journalist. I'm not sure, but anyway. You're. I man love of many music. talents. Well, it's a funny thing. I never thought I would play records for a living because mm-hmm. I sort of thought I'd grown out of it, and then through the, the weird thing in the BBC where the the tapestries sort of ripped and you just fall through. I just came into Radio 2 and it's the most perfect thing, which is to talk about the news, interview the Prime Minister and then play Elvis Costello yeah. and have you in playing every time. I saw that um, you've seen him, like, is it 14 times? In... It's probably even 17, 18. <laughs> wow. actually. Yeah, I, I love him so much. In fact, I listen. I, I probably listen to Elvis Costello's music every single day. Um, I'm just trying to think what I was listening to the other day. New Lace Sleeves, track one, side two of the album Trust, <laughs> released in 1980. Uh, the salty lips of the socialite sisters with their continental fingers that have never seen working class blisters. Oh, I know they've got their problems, but how I wish I was one of them. Amazing. He's incredible. incredible. So he's your fave after Lucy May Walker. Uh, yes, you, you first, obviously, uh-huh. Elvis. Um, I mean, El- with Elvis Costello, he's, I think the thing is that, um, and who would I be to tell you this? I mean, it's you, you know this because you're a musician, but the... Before you were born, the likes of Elvis Costello and David Bowie are two great examples of artists who released 12 great albums on the trot. Mm-hmm. And that wow. is never going to be done again. No. Because they weren't on Twitter. They weren't on Parkinson chat shows and so on. They had no distraction. They weren't even in the papers. The papers didn't realise that we, 15-year-olds, were interested in them. Yeah. So they had no distractions. They just were allowed to be artists. You they didn't. They didn't do, do this. Today, no. no. Well, I suppose you can't. I mean, you're right. You I can't. don't know. What I don't I know. Do. Like, I feel like all of my successes all come from social media. That's so interesting. I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for That's Twitter. True. That's true. Um, it links you in. However, I saw Ed Sheeran because he was part of a Radio 2 thing and, and he was playing and obviously he's uniquely talented. Mm. I, I really I don't really go with people who don't like him. I think he's amazing. But he, um, he, he, he was talking about how it is that he's got this whole system with guitars and echo boxes. There's quite a lot of dexterity. Yeah. It's like playing a cathedral organ or something. It's not just about the guitar. It's all kinds of other And he made this very telling comment, which is that he said, it's it's because I wasn't allowed um, any computer stuff when I was a kid. And I think he said my parents didn't even have a TV in the house. Wow. So he was dealing, and this slightly takes you back to my childhood, yeah. with boredom. And it turns out that boredom is the greatest, greatest force for creativity, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in a person's life. And I, so as a parent, I worry that we kind of overschedule our kids and 
they're busy busy yeah but, uh, space and boredom is what you need exactly um what um did your parents do when you were um was a higher education college lecturer so it was oh. a place called nescott so he was doing civil engineering for people who were doing kind of vocational degrees and stuff he loved the job he did it for 35 years mm -hmm. a great story where they where when he retired they used to give if you were do, you'd done a lot of years with them he would uh you'd get a sort of little plaque which said thank you guy vine for your fill in the blank 35 years of service and but you know the funds were tight, and they found one on the shelf which said twenty five years of service. So they just gave him that. And he he he's the, he was so low key yeah. and so lovely. He would never even complain. He would just say, "Oh, it's great." And what did your mum do? My mum uh, predominantly brought up three children. She very well. Yeah, you're very kind. <laughs> um, all her doing. She. It's a difficult one with my mum because. Mm that generation were not expected to work so she was born oh, yeah. in 1939 so she gave her job up when she got engaged mm -hmm. that's the first thing and then she then actually got a job as a receptionist in a doctor's surgery after we'd all left home and it was a brilliant thing for her yeah but fundamentally her life was her kids and so therefore you know that we had a lot of time and attention from uh -huh. mum you know which is uh, we, I mean, we were lucky to have yeah. yeah i think she's the performer i don't know Clearly, there's a performance gene because, yeah. in a sense, I think I'm probably a performer of some sort. Yeah. My brother's on stage as a comedian. My sister's a, an actress, artist, but also an actress oh. as well. And there's comedy and stuff. Has performed at the Edinburgh Fringe. And you're a dancer. A dancer as well. So, where, <laughs> so I always look at my parents because they weren't able to do the things that we could yeah. do. Which one of them has the gene? Yeah. And you know I don't know. Is, is it, do you know in your family which one? Um, my. My mum's mum was um, a classically trained singer, so I assume it's come from that yeah. side. But then my dad's not got a bad voice, um, but I think it's more my mum's side. So. That's interesting. But, yeah, and I don't really know. I think it, because my mum could never do what she might have wanted to do, I suspect that deep inside her mm. there's some stagey person. You know? I always wonder what our hidden talents are, because if you're not allowed to explore them... Mm. Who knows? I could be like a really good javelin thrower, but yeah, you know. But you I were. Don't think I am. You no one stopped you throwing them, did they? I didn't really have access to them. Did you not? I was, <laughs> I was given a javelin once at school and threw and threw it, but I didn't throw it far enough. Okay. And then just assume that's not my thing. Who know? knows? What you could have been? No, I always worry about the you know excessive wear and tear on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I feel like we should mention for the listener who doesn't know how we know each other. Yeah, we should. Do um, you want to tell the story or should well, I? Uh, well, you have to tell it from your point of view because I want to hear it from your point of view. Okay. Um, so I was busking. So I'm a musician, full-time musician, but um, basically 90% of that is coming from busking, my income. Um, so I busk all around London. And one day I got a tweet. Well, I didn't even realise this until like, I don't know, about two hours afterwards, and I checked my Twitter and I saw like 30 notifications, and I saw that you had tweeted saying that you'd seen this busker. You couldn't even remember my name. I do think I could, <laughs> did I even? You remember not... Walker. Walker, mm. but I also remembered that I'd been in Charing Cross Station, which yeah. is quite useful, yeah. Yeah, so I think people must have just like Googled busker Walker, and I, I came up. Fantastic. And then, yeah, and that's how... Um, I discovered, and I, I just to say that I that I I thought you were brilliant, and it, and also I don't know if it was the state I was in that day or the rushing mm -hmm. or whatever. But it was something. It was just like a beautiful 
voice of the bird song in a in a place of concrete. Do you know Thank what I mean? You, yeah. It was art and it was oh, wonderful. So and I stopped briefly and I think I might have caught your eye actually. I'm not sure whether whether there was a moment. Yeah. Um but <laughs> oh, that was definitely a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just gone, but I thought I must find out. I was thinking because I'm fundamentally quite analog, because at 53, I was, I'm, I was born in an era where everything was black and white, yeah. you know. So I think I just thought, oh, that's like one of those things, serendipity, you know, you just have to file it. And then I thought, no, yeah. if I say Charing Cross Walker, someone will say, oh, I know her. and But 30 people did, or 50 yeah. or whatever, it's amazing, yeah. Well, that moment has led, I'm going to say it's like the biggest thing from that, has led me on to like achieve like the biggest things in my musical career. Yeah, so well, far. I'm I'm humbled by that, but of course it's all you're doing, crucially. But I'm you must tell me more because I'm fascinated in that. Well, as you know, you played. Well, I feel like a lot of musicians might have that happen to them, and then they just think, "Oh, that's really cool." Someone tweeted me, and I got a few followers. Whereas I am a bit like you, I think, in the way that if I want something, I will go out and get it. So. I didn't just let that moment pass by me and I contacted you and said, I know you, you have a Radio 2 show and I'd love for you to play my music. Thinking that you'd be like, oh, that's a nice idea, bless you, but goodbye. And and you basically played my song on your show and then I contacted you again and then you invited me in, okay, slash yeah. I invited myself and you said yes. <laughs> Not at all. You were great. Um, and yeah. did a live It's a great item, yeah, really um, good. And that, just just now, for me to put that on my bio, it's like played live on radio too that is a big thing mm, especially for someone that is like unsigned and you know independent art artist um i don't know where i was going with this but no, i'm just like thinking you, know, you I'm, up I'm, no but I'm not at all because i'm loving here because we you know obviously we play rod stewart and we play pink floyd and we play kate bush and so on but it's also very important that we play lucy may walker and every week yeah no and actually we probably should play again and i and but i i wouldn't necessarily hear the end of the story or the next bit of the story except that you came in and it, I, I do remember yeah. it was really good you played beautifully live which is hard because the pressure oh, that was... is pressure <laughs> but also you've got to then sing and and of course the voice is affected by pressure and you did it brilliantly um and then but the response was lovely too it was crazy like i have a website i think someone asked me on uh do i have a cd and i said my website online yeah. i sold about 350 cds That's off great. the back of that so wonderful I probably give you some money <laughs> please no and then um i also got booked to play i didn't realize it was because they knew that i was on radio too but i supported wet 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 um, after I saw that. that, I saw that. So that was back in, oh, I can't remember, last year. And then now I've, I'm going on tour with them. Um, Do you know, it's funny, I saw the thing I saw was about you going on tour with yeah. them for six dates, is it all? Uh, yeah. Five, yeah. And I thought, gosh, that's fantastic. But you'd already supported them somewhere else, had you? So I'd supported them um, in London and Glasgow. Um, but that was literally like a month after I was on your show. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I know Graham Clark, who is the bassist. So I have a connection there anyway. Um, but he t uh, he was on my podcast as well. Right. And um, he actually told me that they only said yes to me once they knew that I was on Radio 2. Uh -huh. So, again, so many things happened. But they only happened because of you. That is the crucial thing. But that's very, it's very good to hear. It's, it's so satisfying for us because... You know, we uh, I love music and I love new music, and I think also we probably should play more of it. But of course, we're playing, say on my show, it's mm -hmm. two hours. 
we play three new records in in two hours and that's probably as many new songs as we can play when you think the average listener is probably early 50s we've got a lot of 70 80 year olds who want to hear frank sinatra mm. we've got all kinds of other. so and, and of course and we're also trying to do 50 percent speech on yeah. a pop station basically so we're trying to tell people what's happening with brexit and off the back of brexit a discussion that lasts 12 minutes with a politician mm. people are gagging for ELO you know and so then to put new music into that is yeah. hard right um and and but we have to do it it's really important and to hear you say all that just reminds me why it's so important so it's really good mm. to have this this chat about it yeah well, I was actually thinking and I feel, feel like a few people suggested it um having some sort of like feature of I guess it's a little bit like BBC introducing I don't know if you play yeah um, well, that's more, it is probably more Radio 1, that, but it's, mm. it's a big thing, and that certainly has launched a lot of people, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. to so have some sort of, like, feature of, like, unsigned artists, whereas they would never be played on, on this kind of yeah. show. Yeah. Um, also noticed that you... I don't know if it's since meeting me or or you always have been supportive of buskers but i did see one other one i can't remember her Sharika? yeah do you know yeah. her oh yeah we all know each oh, other really? That's yeah. well i, I just, said to her i'm like i'm really pleased for you but also why isn't that me again <laughs> <laughs> no as i as i tweeted about her i thought well if you see it you might like, oh no no, no but like i feel like if, if buskers are, are nice people I feel like if it's a win for one of us, it's kind of a win for yeah. all of us. So um... The quality, I think, I mean, I just think that 20, 30 years ago, mm. you were getting just any old person with a guitar playing any old thing. Yeah. Now the quality is incredible. And I guess somebody somewhere might be managing those yeah. slots better. But also you've got such a volume of people in these, I mean, it is a bit of a London thing. You've got terminuses like Victoria, Waterloo, Sharon Gross, where we met where you must have 100,000 people a day going through. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and... an audience that you would never get from anything else. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's fantastic. And, I I mean, this near us, we've got Oxford Circus, and it's, you know, famous crossroads where Oxford Street and Regent Street meet. <laughs> and they've recently changed the crossing. I don't know if you've seen it, but they, uh, yeah, they make it a I diagonal it. one. Yes, it's quite an unusual thing. So the first year they had this crossing in operation, they, they did quite a precise measurement of the number of crossings, and it was just over 90 million. Wow. So that might be one person 30 times. Yeah. But even so, that's more people than there are in the country. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's an audience, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think you, for you to find your audience there. But then I, I, I don't know what the next stage is for you guys. Well. It's uh, to just keep creating. Do you know what? I feel like we're, we're going on to me and we should be talking about you. Okay, well, it's up see to what you. you've done there. No, did I, have I done that thing? <laughs> you've done it. <laughs> I'm, see, I'm so happy to talk about myself. No, but I, think, I'll be I like, think your podcast fine. should be gradually hearing more about you anyway. I think yeah. that's probably what it should be. So go on, tell me. What, okay. you, what is your dream? Oh, still me. Um. <laughs> I I love that busking um, has meant that I'm doing music full time, mm. which is amazing to say that I live in London, I can live off music. But for me, I want to move on to doing like original gigs and mm. making a living from my own original music and being played on radio and, mm. and headline tours and stuff like that. Um, I don't have like one specific dream, but like, you know, different things like yeah. play Glastonbury and... Yeah. All of these different things. Right. Um, I heard from Wikipedia, if, it, if it's the truth, that you were a drummer in a punk band. Well, Is that it, right? Yeah, yes, I was. It was described as a punk band, but it was a fa really a failure in a way <laughs> because it was it, it was Cheem 
it was a cheam version of a punk band. So it was it was it was a very square band, and we just wore flared trousers and we called it Flare Generation. And we wow. were kind of silly. The backbone of it was my brother who's writing the songs, who's who's got an incredible musical talent, although it's not his main outlet. Um but yeah, it gave us a little insight into, I suppose music and the media because mm-hmm. we'd all been in quite serious bands trying which were based on the jam and all that so yeah, that yeah. was that was the band and and of course none of them got anywhere at all so sorry what what age were you when you were so i was probably 15 16 had a drum kit then the drums loved to play the drums you know and yeah. and I, I was in these bands playing the drums, my brother's playing guitar, and one called Two Can Talk, one called The Sharp Suits, one called One More Thing. No, hang on. No, that was the title of the song. I can't remember. <laughs> but it just went on and on, and none of them got anywhere. And then we thought, okay, let's do a really silly band. Mm-hmm. And we had this thing of, like, we're the new punks, and we're going... We, we spoke all in a really silly way, and, and we're going to be bigger than the Beatles, and we were just so square. <laughs> and we got on everything. We got Radio yeah. One, no! SED, and everything. No way! Yeah, we were in the Sun newspaper, and all... I mean, there's still cuttings of me somewhere. But gonna... funny enough, there is somewhere, I think up there, what is it, Jeremy Vine's Punk Past or something? <laughs> Where is it? Where, look, look, there, there. So Wikipedia Jeremy Rotten. Like Jeremy Rotten. Wow. So that's my brother. <laughs> revealed like a Punk Past of the presenter who's taken over Jimmy Young's radio program. So that was our thing. We were stunned at how easy it was. But of course, that's in a way the tragedy that they went for something that was novel yeah and it wasn't actually real and it was i mean it, we had songs we did gigs but in the end it was the least good band i was in you know i want to talk to you about strictly come dancing because i heard that you were on it but i didn't watch it at the time and um this morning i've been watching youtube clips. <laughs> you are fabulous oh my goodness your that's so funny even i haven't seen those i know well you probably watched that tango i did um, couple, with the um, horse yeah well <laughs> i it's a funny thing i i suppose i don't even know where to start with strictly what which would ask me something because i was um, so big in my mind and re- let me just say, I you you become it gives you permission to be a child. That's yeah. the thing. It's like walking into one of your own dreams, and everything becomes completely unreal. Uh-huh. And people, when they come out of it at whatever stage, come out with a massive crashing bump. They find it yeah. very hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, you you certainly, I mean, you are up close and personal with the the greatest dancers in the world, yeah. let alone the country. Uh, I was just actually funny enough run into some of them yesterday because they were outside for the one show and there was Oti Mabuse there oh. and, and so on. And and Karen, who I dance with, um, and you suddenly, if you're me and you do that bloke thing, you know, oh, I can't dance and you're really proud you can't dance, you suddenly, you never say that again because you realise that dancing for some people is more important than life itself. Yeah. It's how they express themselves. It's like you and your guitar and your voice. Yeah, yeah. And it's absolutely, it's art, you know, and all they are about these pros is the body and the movement of the mm-hmm. body and and so you're watching and you just think oh my god i've arrived somewhere in a different, <laughs> in a different time space continuum you were great that, well thank you you look like you were having the most fun and i thought that it was good for you to do that kind of show because your sh- your uh, radio show and tv show you speak about kind of serious issues so it shows most a different of the time side. yeah that's true i'm never quite sure i mean i think that 
if so at some point someone else will do this show and they'll they'll think oh, um, never well never and, listen but, to it if it's not so you. what is it what's it what's it all about and the answer is that there's got the key thing is range to be able to do very 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 serious mm -hmm. if they if they said to me jeremy i'm taking over your show and what can you tell me in one sentence because i haven't got much time i would say look in one sentence you've got to do very serious stories and you've got to do very silly stories mm -hmm. and you've got to do them within a heartbeat of each other with yeah. records in between. And there's a lot of switching. And so for Strictly, it was like being released into a world where I never had to worry that, that we were heading for a serious story in a minute. Yeah. And it was, it was yeah. kind of joyful. And I sort of thought... Um, it's also what the BBC does best, yeah. actually. You know, yeah. it's this program. It's the biggest program in the history of the BBC. It's been bought by fifty-five countries. Wow. On the day I was ejected, eleven million people watched the show. You know, and I was, and then some. A, a mum sent me a video of her daughter bursting into tears. You know, oh. I know, like this three-year-old just so. Like I know it was amazing. So it it was great, and I'm still friends with Miss Clifton, who I admire greatly. Mm -hmm. So, can I say? Um, would you do any other kind of reality shows like Bear Grylls? Or at um, the moment, it would be difficult because I've got this quite quite tough routine. I do yeah. I do sometimes think it'd be fun to do the jungle. Actually, I must say, mm. but I think I just it just I I, I don't know. I, I don't probably not. No, I don't know. I just like... to see it because there's a journalist element of of all people like me, which is. I want to see inside it. And mm -hmm. there's only one way to get inside. You know, you can't say, can I go and observe it? You have to be it. You have well, to be in you're it. You're going to have to be in it then. Yeah, but... Have I, you ever I been can't. asked? Have I done what? Have you been asked to be? Uh, no, 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 I haven't. No, no, no. I mean, I was, to be honest, I did ask... I don't know about my bro, actually. I did ask... Oh, Big Brother. Big Brother. Uh, that's not I think a that's thing gone. anymore, but... Yeah, I think... I. But Celebrity Big Brother or something? I don't know. No, probably not. I think, I think <laughs> once... The nice thing about Strictly is that actually, having said this, I'm gonna I'm gonna now retract it. I was gonna say it's <laughs> been it's benign, but actually, funnily enough, it's basically the jungle without foliage. That's what it is, <laughs> because every week one of the celebs is murdered, you know, and carted out. Yeah, and everyone else pretends not to notice. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very bad Agatha Christie. Uh -huh. It is. It really is. You know, there were tears. And well, yeah, they really were. I need to see the episode where you got kicked out. Did you cry? No, but I was I was upset to be to be sort of out, you know, to to end the kind of dance practice with Karen, which was crazy. But then I now look back and I realise she was like thinking this guy can't even dance a step. No. One of the problems is that, he, so I can now do a salsa move, right? So oh, it's, yeah. I know it's the left foot forward. Oh. You can do this. Obviously, that's what you do, <laughs> right? And and it's the hip action and everything. I can do that because. The first time I ever did it was when I had to do it five days later on the show. Wow. And I couldn't get... Now I've had three years yeah. practicing in the kitchen. I can do that move. <laughs> and, and I wish I'd had the three years before the show. That's the thing. Oh, um, I saw Rylan was trying to get you to do a video of you dancing. Have you sent one back? Yeah, I sent one back. He, I think he owes me one at the yeah. moment. Yeah. That's yeah, so he, he did one. I did one, he did one. I can't remember how it worked. But then but then we we then had this strange sort of this dance-off moment where I think it was it was maybe sport relief and, mm. and Tess was there and Claudia was there. And then Rylan was, and I did a little bit of a thing. Yeah, but he's got, I think he'll be on Strictly this year. He's got oh, snake hips. That is that guy. an exclusive that you just? I, I think he will, but I, no, he's not told me that. But I'm just thinking, um, if they're not pounding, you know, yeah. his, his garden path, oh, he path, would love it. He would love it. He's not doing Big Brother anymore, is he? So no, I mean, I don't even know. He's in the building, bless him. I'm, I'm so non-clued up. 
I'm not even sure how he's famous. It's just that he could never be anything else other than famous. Well, you know that he was on The X Factor? I've been told that, but I never saw him doing what he was doing. What was he doing? Singing. And he singing well, or...? No, okay. Um, he's just he had there. beach blonde long hair. Did he? And he sang, and I remember his, his like, you know when you go to the judges' houses and um, Nicole Scherzinger was his... Um, whatever they call yeah. mental judge. Whatever. He had long blonde hair. Yeah, beach button. And he got through. So he was obviously, he was all right to get to that. To yeah. Them. And then he... Um, so he, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't have a bad voice. He just didn't. No, but yeah. I think they turned him into a bit of a joke. Yes. Um, but I mean, that's obviously worked out pretty well for him. But, now. oh yeah, but, I mean, and his show's great. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm ready to, it's great. So, yeah. Who's your favourite? If you can answer this. Of Who's the DJs? You? Yeah. Oh, man. I like no, how you I, say I, DJs. I <laughs> yeah, my daughters keep DJ. telling Dad, stop saying DJs. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, obviously, I can't answer. I think the greatest DJ of all time was Kenny Everett. The yeah. second was Terry Wogan. God rest his beautiful soul. Um, I, I think well, yeah, I put John Peel there as well. You know, So mm-hmm. you've got three, three ones who passed away. I then think you're in a very interesting tie I'm just conscious it's all men I'm saying and I feel bad now, but mm-hmm. you've got definitely Chris Evans. You've you've got Ken Bruce, Steve Wright, you know, they're massive industry figures. I'm very proud to know the three surviving yeah. ones there. The fact that Steve Wright's on one side of me and Ken Bruce is on the mm-hmm. other is amazing. I, I I go in every day to Ken Bruce. I'm only hinting at the answer to your question. We have a great chat. He always knows what's what's going on at the BBC and stuff I don't know. He always briefs me yeah. during the records. And I think to myself, he's very understated and you could easily miss his influence, but he's been pretty much live on the radio for 40 years now. Wow. Remarkable. That's Every crazy. day. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Um, but it's so natural for him. He, and his, if you're looking at a technical broadcaster, a DJ's DJ, yeah. somebody <laughs> whose his diction, his speed of thought, you'd say Ken Bruce is just unsurpassable. Yeah. When I came to see, well, when I came to sing on your show, um, I came really early because I was nervous and very excited. And they let me sit in the, I don't know what you call it, the other room, room yeah. and, and watch how the show is like put on. And for people that don't, they, well, they're just listening to the show. They just assume, I don't know, that you're just reading off, you know, paper or whatever. But you're talking to callers. And at the same time, the other people are telling you, like, okay, Jeremy, cut this caller off in, like, five, four, three, two. <laughs> How do you multitask? I couldn't do that. I always say don't talk too much during calls because I, I do really need to hear the calls. I mean, the most important thing is to be for me to be tuned in to what that caller is saying or I'll miss something vital. So, yeah. actually, it's almost about monotasking rather than multitasking. It's right. about ignoring the person who's speaking. <laughs> oh, okay. But, but no, I think um, it's funny because I always guests come in and they sit where you sat which is I, yeah. I guess the, the uh, I don't it's know what to call it what do we call it the, the control room yeah, the it. control yeah. and they always say my god it was crazy out there and I said I, I was joke and say really I didn't know anything happened yeah. um, I thought it was just me Seamless. no but so I, I know that all the excitement is in the, the control room mm. yeah. great and, team of people yeah you? it's a great team and, and the editor Phil Jones who's not in today um, was actually Jimmy Young's editor, so he's mm. the longest-serving editor in the BBC, and he is a—he's a sort of a genius, yeah. Awesome. Um, so I'm kind of going to wrap it up in a minute, but um, you are a very, very busy man, and uh, 
Yeah, I know that you get up at like five o'clock in the morning. You know, I've had to just move my alarm back to to eight minutes to five because oh. the five o'clock thing wasn't wasn't quite oh, working. No. <laughs> I know, so I'm now losing another eight minutes. So, how do you find the time to do? You do your radio show Monday to Friday, right? Is it Monday to Friday? Yeah, so Monday to Friday, twelve to two, and then is the Channel TV? Five show in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's I have to get you every on that. day. <gasps> Would you like to do that? Yeah. Same Literally song. any opportunity, just assume that I'll say yes. Okay. I saw that you had, um, at Christmas, you had uh, Gabrielle Afflin and yes. Hannah Grace on. Yes, that was really nice. You should. What they're really that. good on, on Channel 5, is social media, actually. So you'll get a lovely little yes, postable please. thing. Okay, let me just talk to them. That's good. Let's do that. Let's do that. We'll do We'll do something on, on busking or whatever, yeah. whatever, yeah. But yes, but I love it, is the answer. And mm. I, um, you have to have joy. Yeah. With joy, you can do anything. Once it becomes a trial, then mm-hmm. you're in trouble. And you also need space. And, and weekends are space for me. And and Radio 2 is a joyful thing. It really is beautiful to have that. It doesn't need to be too frantic. You know, yeah. the listeners know everything. They're going to tell me. It's mm-hmm. not the other way around. It's changed. Yeah. 20 years ago, it's the newscaster tells, there's always a bloke. He's going to tell the audience what's going on. It's now the opposite. Um, I'm, they're going to tell me. I just need to listen. Mm-hmm. So I quite like listening. Yeah, and you still manage to have time to for weekends and go on your penny farthing. I bought a penny farthing. <laughs> my friend messaged me. I, I, yeah, I think you retweeted it actually. My friend messaged me and was like, "Justin, you mate Jeremy Ryan on the penny farthing." Oh, seriously, is that right? She filmed you. And oh I, I yeah, did. I know. Was no. that this liberal Democrat? The liberal Democrats filmed me or something? I can't oh, remember. Somebody. No, it wasn't. No. It was. She's not one of. Okay, because somebody said. I think this this involves a swear word, but it doesn't matter, does That's it? Okay, it's okay, it's fine. So I've got a friend in South Africa, <laughs> and she said she got a text from someone who said, Jeremy Vine's head has just gone past my fucking bedroom window. <laughs> and my friend passed it on to me and said, I don't know, is this some sort of misprint? I said, no, I've just been out on a penny farthing, so I'm sitting about... So I, casual I must be about it. Nine feet off the ground, you know. Why the penny farthing? Well, the answer is that I was. I suppose there's always a midlife crisis. Any any bloke at the age of forty three <laughs> is going to be in in crisis. So there's that. I, I don't. I hate cars. Really, I've just gone to hate. Come yeah. to realise they're destroying us. You know, they Absolutely. really are. Um, I, particularly in cities, I don't see the point at all. So that there's partly there's a little bit of an ideological thing, but also I was five years ago sitting in you know outside a cafe on the Chiswick High Road near where I live, yeah. and a penny farthing did float down the road, and I did the stupid thing of trying to take a photo with my phone, which yeah. was spoiled the moment because <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. I didn't really manage it. I should have just looked and thought everyone was looking, and I've always thought <laughs> I really like to ride one. And then one, there was a quiet afternoon and I sort of Googled it and there's a guy in Stockport, I think, or uh-huh. Stockton, Stockport, called Roger who sells them. And I think he must be importing them from China or something, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I messaged him and said, how big are they? And he said, well, you need the biggest one and it's 56-inch wheel. Oh, yeah, tall. so the wheel is the... So if I stand here, my collarbone is where the saddle is. So the saddle is there, Yeah. right? How do you get up um, there? Everybody asks that. You climb up the back. There's a little two steps on the back. So you go, okay. blunt, blunt, and then you're right. So to get it moving, uh-huh. you need to push it. Never start uphill. That's crucial. Just for record, I'm not planning on getting <laughs> you, Well, honestly, you, you, you love it. You, <laughs> but it's so I, I, I saw this guy, and I had that thing. I think I'd love to do it. And then I actually, and how she did it. And Roger, the lovely man from unicycle.com, and she was in London, so he said, look, I'm meeting in London, bring some bikes down, why don't I meet you and I'll, and I'll help you ride one. 
He helped me. <laughs> it took an hour of panic, and now I can write it. Amazing. The trouble is you just don't want to stop suddenly, and that's where people, the reason they went out of fashion in right. the 1880s is because if you're thrown over the handlebars, you've got serious problems. So yeah. I go at five miles an hour, and I, and I go around quite quiet roads if I can. But the other day I cycled into Buckingham Palace. And, <laughs> you know, I went around this front of the Queen. How do you stop? Uh, well, you, there is theoretically a brake on the back wheel, but it doesn't really work very well. So the answer is you just mustn't need to stop. You've got what to. Do you mean? Well, if you if you're coming down alongside traffic, yeah, and the lights are green and you're 100 yards away, you're pretty sure you're going to be hitting a red light. So that mustn't be a surprise. Okay. So you've you've got to just make sure you don't ever get surprised by having to stop. That's so the key thing. But how do you stop? Um, <laughs> You, you don't really. Uh, I mean, you, you have to climb off it. <laughs> Throw yourself off. Well, you slow. Well, I suppose you can apply the brake. If you stop pedalling, you apply the brake, but that just creates a little bit of drag on the tiny wheel, so it doesn't really help. Um, I, I, actually, I don't really have an answer. You have to climb off you, it. Um, you climb off it before it stops. That's the crucial thing. <laughs> can you, for, for just for my benefit... Next time you're on it, can you get yeah. someone to film and you do a little video on how to get on and off uh, Penny Farthing? I've got, I think it. I've got one that I could show you. No, yeah. want, no, we want you. You want to exclusive? Do it. Okay, yes. right. Okay, fine. No, I've got one of me doing it. I can show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll show you in a minute. Great. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's so cool. It's great for me. Thank you. It's great that we've uh, kept in touch and uh, yeah. hopefully. We will continue to do well, that. Good luck with everything and Thank let's hear you. all the music at this end, please. And if people want to listen to you, where can they they can listen to Radio 2? Yeah. 12 um, to 2? New show is the Channel 5 morning show, which is 9.15 to 11.15 with Storm Huntley. Mm-hmm. lot of fun. Again, I like Storm. Yeah, she's brilliant. Talking about the news, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to get our heads around it. We've installed a, a big telephone, a red telephone on the desk, and we've given Downing Street our number. And we said, look, if you're out of ideas... Yeah. We're here. Great. And they've got the number if it rings. That's it. It's exciting. Yeah. But we're not expecting yeah. it to. <laughs> so they can find you there. And yeah. uh, Twitter, social media. Yes, of course. You're great on Twitter. For oh, bless you. Well, thank you. No, I, I do like you. I love Twitter and I, I kind of enjoy it. We should tweet this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'll we'll do it when you've finished it. We'll, we'll have, maybe someone's listening now who's, it's like reverse time here. They're yeah. suddenly thinking, that's how we found you. Maybe. All right. Cool. Thanks very much. Thank you. Lucy. Yay! And that brings us to the end of this month's podcast, Lucy May Walker and friends, with the nicest guy in the world, Jeremy Vine. What a lovely human being. Like he said, he is the busiest person um, that I, I think I know. And he still managed to find the time to sit down with me for an hour and just chat and have a really good time. And wow, you heard it here first. Jeremy Vine wants me on his TV show. So absolutely, let's make that happen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you tweet me and uh, tweet tweet Jeremy. Definitely tag him in everything. <laughs> Jeremy Vine's head has just gone past my fucking bedroom window.